What's up, guys? Link Issues Podcast. My name is Solomon Lee at Solomon Lee NBA on Twitter. We are here joined by Cody Davis covering the Rockets for SI, making his debut to the podcast. <laughs> we don't get a lot of debuts here, honestly. Like, and that that's on me. I I got to bring new guests on every once in a while. <laughs> and you know, next in two weeks we got episode two fifty coming out. I figure, you know what? Let's end this cycle with the debut. What better debut than Cody Davis? Cody, how are you doing? Man, thank you for having me on. And first and foremost, congratulations on reaching 250. Oh, thank you. I've been yeah. rocking with your podcast for a while now, man. So I'm happy to be on. But, you know, to see you reach that milestone of 250, man, you're looking at somebody who who do a daily podcast. So I know the grind that it takes to reach that number. So congratulations, my guy. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I mean, it, it really is like. I remember when I started in 2015. God, it's been seven years. <laughs> I, I remember when I started, I, was, I, was, I read a stat that said most podcasts like fade away after five episodes, right? Like it was like, it was like mm-hmm. a certain percentage of podcasts go away after five episodes. And I, and I remember mentally, I was like, that I'm going to reach, I'm going to reach 50. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to get to 50 episodes. And you know the two. That's why I, I label the numbers, you know, because I, I, that was mm-hmm. my goal initially. Like I, I normally, I you know, I'm not sure how many podcasts still do numbers. I don't see it that often anymore. But that's why I do it because it was like I remember five. I was like, I'm gonna get to fifty, and then we just kept it going after fifty. And it's like now it's I'm at two fifty, and now I want to go big. Now I'm, <laughs> I, I want to go big. That's why next week there's not gonna be a show. Uh, I'm gonna be on vacation, but I also want to have some time to you know make this really you know, worthwhile. So, hmm. you know, and then, so in, in two weeks, we'll have 250 out. I, I can't wait for you guys to hear it, but th- th- this podcast is not about me. It is about <laughs> you and it's about the Rockets. So, uh, Cody, first of all, um, Kevin Durant, mm-hmm. big, big domino in the NBA, the biggest domino one could argue, uh, is remaining with the Brooklyn Nets. And one, you know, if you're a listener to this podcast, you may be wondering, like, why does this relate back to Rockets? I'm pretty sure you guys know why this relates back to the Rockets. Mm. The Rockets own these Brooklyn picks. And for a while, it seemed like Kevin Durant had a foot out the door and was going to head to another team, which would directly impact what those Brooklyn picks would become. And now we're here and he's going to remain in net. And I guess the immediate question is, like, what what now? What does this mean? Does this mean, like, the Rockets, pick these picks are not going to be good? And here's my thinking. And I've always said this. I, I wrote as soon as Kevin Durant demanded a trade. I wrote this uh, this article about how this is the time to sell high on those picks. Mm-hmm. The perceived value of those picks are at its highest. But as soon as Kevin Durant is traded, those picks are going to decrease in value, just because the the Nets are going to formulate a package, uh, a, re- a receiving package around the fact that they know that they don't have picks. So they're going to try to get good. They're going to try to restock their cupboard with picks, and so those picks are going to become devalued for the Rockets. So, you know, you're talking those those late, you know, 2020 picks that Houston has. Though, you know, instead of being potentially lottery picks, the, you know, Brooklyn's going to try and peak by that point. They're mm-hmm. going to try to structure their timeline so they're not giving up high-end picks. And now I think, well, the immediate in the immediate pre- you know, right now, Houston th- those picks are going to are going to get worse. They just are. Like the, like when Brook when Kevin Durant stays on the team, no matter what, t- whatever package he was going to, risk, he was going to end up getting back. Like when Kevin Durant stays on your team, you're just going to be good. You're just going to be a lot better than whatever whatever version of the team you would have had if Kevin Durant had not stayed on your team. Yeah. So my thinking is that I think these picks 
in the short term, they're going to get worse. But in the long term, because Kevin Durant's going to be 38, 39, same thing with, with Kyrie, he's going to be 37, 36. By that point, I think the, the, in the long run, you, Houston's picks got better. In the short term, they got worse. Is that kind of your thinking, or do you disagree with that? Um, it's my thinking to a certain extent because look, as I 100% agree with you, when you have Kevin Durant on your team, you're, you're dealing with a whole type of different monster. Like a Kevin Durant on your team is always going to be better than having a team without Kevin Durant. However, on the flip side, I look at this from a standpoint of, you know what you're getting out of Kevin Durant. I'm looking at this from a standpoint of, I don't think the short term picks are going to affect the Rockets that much is because who's surrounding Kevin Durant because you got Kyrie Irving and you got Ben Simmons and when I take a look at Kyrie Irving you're looking at a guy who had who hasn't played a full 82 game season since what 2014 if that and then you also got to take a look at look into consideration and see when you look at Kyrie Irving you're looking at a guy you don't know what his mindset is going to be you can't depend him to play an entire season and yes he is one of the most talented point guards when he's on the court however he's never on the court because that's always something going on now look I get it things could change maybe he'll come into the season with a new mindset and maybe he'll be more willing we'll see the Kyrie Irving that we saw early on in his career when he was a member of the Cleveland Cavaliers playing those first two seasons with LeBron James. He was a a phenomenal Robin to Batman. Maybe we'll see that version of Kyrie Irving. However, that version of Kyrie Irving has been gone since what, 2017, 2018. So I'm looking at it from that standpoint. You know, what type of version is Kyrie Irving is going to give the Brooklyn Nets? And then he also has what, one year left on his contract. So Who's to say that he's going to resign with Brooklyn next year? And then the biggest domino of all this, and I truly believe this is going to determine, you know, whether or not these picks are going to be good for the Rockets, and that is the Ben Simmons effect. Now, I know you're high on Ben Simmons, but you know, you and I had these discussions inside the Toyota Center, during games, after games, before games. You know me. I've never been big on Ben Simmons, and I kind of believe that, because he's with the Brooklyn Nets now, and he's playing alongside Kyrie Irving, he's playing alongside Kevin Durant, I don't think that he's going to have the same impact on the offensive side of the ball because he's also playing with two guys that need the ball in his hands, more so Kyrie Irving than Kevin Durant. Because look, KD with the Warriors prove it don't matter. Kevin Durant, it don't matter what you do with him. He's going to get his buckets. However... Because Ben Simmons is not a guy that you can play off the ball, because Ben Simmons is not a guy that you can, you know, put in a catch and shoot situation or whatever the case might be, I just don't know what type of impact he's going to be able to have on the Brooklyn Nets. And that's why when I look at the I look at the success of Brooklyn and I look at it in terms of how this is going to affect the Rockets, because you have two wild dominoes in Kyrie Irving, in um Ben Simmons, I kind of feel like these picks that the Rockets have, majority of them is going to continue to be mid-round. And then, of course, as you say, as time go on, those picks for the Rockets get better and better. But, you know, and, and then also there's also the coaching standpoint of this as well. Look, I'm not a believer in Steve Nash as a head coach. I never did like that 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 hiring from the beginning. And I also believe that these past two seasons with Brooklyn, when you had Harden, you know, now you flip Harden for Ben Simmons. It really doesn't matter who you have on the a, on a court. 
whoever's calling the shots from the sideline, if there's anyone calling the shots on the sideline in Brooklyn, it matters. And I'm not a believer in Steve Nash. So, you know, I understand Kevin Durant, one of the greatest players of all time. He's going to lead you to the playoffs. But because you have so many of these wild cards going on in Brooklyn, I still believe the Rockets are in good shape. Yeah, okay. Um, you said a lot there. So let's, ta- <laughs> let's, let's tackle this one by one. So Kyrie, I think Kyrie is going to be largely fine. I, I don't think he's mm-hmm. going to play all 82 games. I think he's going to play like 60 to 70, which he always does, right? He plays like around that much. You know, the, the New York laws have changed. You know, the vaccine is no longer mandated to, you know, play home games. So and it, it was kind of weird how uh, visiting teams were allowed to play anyways. Like that law was a, a strange all around, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, you know, if you're going to do it, have it go both ways. But yeah, I, whatever the case I think because the laws have changed, he's gonna he's gonna play like sixty to seventy games. The Simmons thing, I think this is probably like the optimal situation for him, right? Like mm-hmm. in terms of like he doesn't have to be the primary ball handler, he doesn't have to be the secondary ball handler. He's the tertiary guy, and he's the guy who can just like on offense, all he has to do is facilitate. Like when he gets the ball, he's largely gonna make shots around the rim, right? Like in terms of being the dunker spot guy, well, not, now you can be the dunker spot guy, right? You can't do that when you're playing next to Joel Embiid who clogs up the paint area. Now you're playing against two perimeter, you know, ter- perimeter oriented guys who like you have spacing there to actually operate down there. And, and you have shooting all around you, all encompassing, right? You have Kyrie Durant. Obviously you have uh, Josh Harris, right? I mean, you have, uh, I'm sorry. Am I, am I, Joe Harris. Joe Harris. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you obviously have Joe Harris, right? And you have a well-spaced system. And I think he's going to... All he has to do is play defense and pass, right? Because for the longest time with Brooklyn, what they were missing on the offensive end, and this is why I think they went after James Harden, is they they didn't have someone who could really play make at a high level, right? Like KD can pass, right? Kyrie can pass. But they're they're not the guys you want as like your number one you know, facilitators on a championship team. They're just not. They're just not good enough to be that. Um, you know, they're good enough in other areas, right? Kevin Durant is good enough to be the best player overall on a championship hmm. team. But in terms of just, like, being the guy who stirs the drink, that's just never been him, right? That's never been him. And I think that's all Simmons has to do. He just has to set everything up and be kind of an outlet for offense. Um, and they get to run. He's actually respected in the full court, Right. In that you actually have to defend him, at, you have to meet him at the rim, and then defend all these shooters. You don't have, you can't throw three guys at him. So I think it's different. Um, so the point you made about Kyrie's free agency, I think that's pretty valid. Like, so if he leaves next year, you're right. The the immediate value of those picks jump up; they skyrocket. And the Steve Nash thing is just weird because everybody <laughs> just everybody knows that. Everybody knows that KD just tried to get this guy fired, mm-hmm. and and trying to go kumbaya into training camp. I don't know if you can do that. That's like really. I don't know how you brush that under the rug. Like maybe K- KD and Kyrie are just a weird enough guys to like where it's like okay, they can do it because they're just strange people, right? Like they're just, <laughs> they're just they just are they're just strange, but on both ends of the spectrum. Like yeah, yeah, they're just. I've never I've never seen people basketball players like this, right? Um, so maybe, maybe they can do that. Maybe they can put off, maybe they can pretend like it never happened, or maybe they can move past it, like actually acknowledge that it happened and move past it, which I think is a healthier approach, but I have a feeling that's not what they're going to do. Like when they're asked on media day about this, I have a feeling they're going to deny that this actually happened. 
that of they course. tried to, that they tried to get him <laughs> fired, right? Or that they tried to get Sean Marks fired. There's no way in hell they go into media day and be, and are actually going to acknowledge that that meeting didn't happen. Like there's no way. And so that that awkwardness is just going to be there. And I'm wondering if they can get over it. I guess I'm betting that it will. That they that they'll be able to do it just because the talent is just so overwhelming. You're talking about like two top fifteen guys, uh, probably three. I mean, if you're counting Simmons, I count Simmons. I don't, you may not count him, uh, <laughs> I, but in general, if they stay together, and that's a big if, I think those picks are going to be in the twenties. But again, if they stay together, that means they're also going to age together. And mm-hmm. if they age together, you're I think you're going to get back to having picks in the fourteens, picks in the twelves, but potentially high lottery picks because that's just what happens. When players get older, they get worse. And I think when Kevin Durant's 38, 39, he's probably going to be really good. Like, don't get me wrong. He's going to be better than most 38, 39 year old basketball players. I don't think he's going to be good enough to actually anchor them in into whatever phase of their championship structure they're at at that point. Yeah. And, and look, I, I get your point about Ben Simmons. And once again, I'm, I've never been a fan of Ben Simmons, but I always go back to it. Maybe it'll be a lot different, but I go back to those games where I used to watch Kyrie and James Harden play. And it seemed like they could never get a, a, a fit together. It seemed like they was doing that whole your turn, my turn, my turn, your turn type of approach. And I understand it that this team's need a facilitator. And look, I'm not a once again, not a believer in Ben Simmons, but I will say one of, if not his best attribute is his ability to facilitate the basketball. Now, when I compare that partnership to someone like James Harden, who's one of his best attributes is facilitating the basketball. But at the same time, we all know Harden is one of the greatest scorers in NBA history. Maybe it won't be as confusing watching that pairing of Kyrie and Ben Simmons like it was with Harden and Kyrie because once once again, Ben Simmons is more so that facilitator. Now, maybe that is going to be something teaming KD and Kyrie together with Ben Simmons. That's going to be enough to get him to another level. If if Simmons get to another level, then his team goes to another level. However, one of, if not the biggest wow factor in all this, it still goes back to Kyrie Irving because, yes, he missed majority of last season due to the um, mandate. Let's go back to the season before where he randomly just took, what, two weeks off just, just because. You know, right. let's go back to a year before where, you know, he, he took time off just to clear his mind and, and all this. Other, like, every single season is something going on with Kyrie Irving and – I just don't know if we're going to get that same version of Kyrie again. Like I said, the best thing for Brooklyn and probably the worst thing for the Rockets is if we see the Kyrie Irving that we saw early on in his career playing with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, I think he, here's the thing with Kyrie. He is he again. I think he's strange. I've, I've said it before. I, I don't. I don't know. I I, I don't know what a, what other word to use to describe him other than just strange, <laughs> right? Before I found him amusing, and then he started going into the vaccine stuff. I'm like, okay, this guy's not fun. It's not fun anymore to talk about flat earth. Now this is just like, all right, damaging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Uh, as far as the the Ben Simmons thing, again, like I think it's just he, all he has to do is be Draymond, right? It's a cliche. Yeah. It's, it's a yeah. cliche. All he has to do is be Draymond on steroids. And I think he can do it. Uh, I think all he has to do is stick to what he's good at. And, and because the floor spacing is so great around him, you know, he doesn't have to be anything more than just that. 
and be a high level finish high level finisher at the basket be a high level facilitator and then be an amazing defensive player be like one of the best defensive players in basketball which he was people forget how great yeah, he was I would give him that though I would yeah. definitely give him that Yeah it wasn't just like he's a he's a plus defender it's like no it's like him Giannis and Rudy Gobert right in terms of like best defenders in basketball and that and like people just forget that's what he was. And so I'm wondering if he can get back to that level. It's been a while since he's, he's really played, right? It's been <laughs> quite a bit of time since he's played basketball. But I'm, I'm confident he's young enough. Um, he, he, I think he'll get have enough of a runway to get his legs under him. And I think he, I think though there's gonna there's a lot of incentive to make this work. Because again, Kevin Durant has four years left in his deal, right? He has nowhere else to go. And that's why that that's that's why they came to an agreement ultimately. It's not hmm. because like they said anything in that meeting that really persuaded him that this is, Oh, this is where I want to be. It's like, no, this is where you, there's no other place for you to be because every, you have four years left on your contract. We can hold this over you. These other teams aren't giving us what we want. So you're going to be here. Suck it up. I don't care what they do. PR wise, you know, put out a joint statement. Oh, Kevin Durant. (laughs) Okay. That that, that doesn't mean anything to me. That doesn't, that doesn't persuade me. Like, like, I don't think Kevin Durant just woke up one day and it's like, okay, now I'm all about Brooklyn. No, that's not what happened. You don't, you don't just go from fire the coach, fire the GM to, okay, I want to be back here. That's not what happened. It's like, (laughs) I have, I have to be back here. If he was a free agent, he would not be signing with the Brooklyn Nets. Right. Heck no. Yeah. It's, it's just one of those things where there's a lot of incentive for him to make this work. There's a lot of incentive for Brooklyn to make this work because, again, they they know about these picks, and there's a lot of incentive for them to win basketball games. I just don't think they're going to fold. I don't think they're going to be – well, you said mid-lottery? Mid, mid Is that what you said? Um, Probably mid, right mid, outside mid, the lottery. Round. Yeah, mid-first mid round. round, right outside um, of the lottery. And, so and that, you're talking and that's about just them mean, being an eighth seed, right? That's, that's, yeah. that's hard to picture. It's hard to picture, and I understand it, especially when you hear – a team with Kevin Durant being an eighth seed. And look, it happened last year, and I understand that there was a lot of stuff that took place last year with that team, you know, from the mandate to Harden forcing his way out again. But it's just the fact that, once again, when you are dealing with – if Kevin Durant is on your team, yes, that's phenomenal. But once again, if this version of Kyrie Irving is your second-best player – this could go either very good or very bad for this organization. There is nothing else in between. Yeah, and to be clear, they're still not my title favorites, right? Like I, I think I still have Philly there. I think Philly's my Philly's my favorite right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think Milwaukee has has a compelling argument. I think obviously the Warriors have a compelling argument coming off mm-hmm. the championship, but they're right there. Like as in like if someone has them as their title favorites, I'm not blinking. I'm like, okay, okay, that's that they have. It's a it's a team with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons. Like I I I can't be shocked if if someone does have them there. And I think they're going to be good enough to at least warrant being in the in that twenty range, right, of the draft. So like top four seed. I if they're a fourth seed, I think that's probably you know where where most people see them. Mm-hmm. And if if they're the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference, that pick's not going to be great. But again, you still have that Kyrie's a flight risk, right? He didn't sign an extension. That's that's the big domino, I think. In 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 for those picks in the immediate future to become good, Kyrie has to leave. And I just I guess I guess for some reason I, it's hard for me to picture Kyrie leaving because I think he, his relationship with Kevin Durant again. These are two strange people that just like each other. <laughs> 
right? <laughs> so I think I think whatever the, their 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 friendship is is strong enough to like I, I think he'll stay around. Um, yeah, I mean, so I, we're kind of on the same page long term, though, right? We, we think mm-hmm. those picks are going to be bad. Oh yeah, most definitely. Okay, so let's talk about. Willie Cauley Stein. And I didn't talk about this on the last podcast because it was kind of a footnote footnote in the Rockets offseason. It's not really that big of a deal. It wasn't a significant contract. And I think it's just more like Alperin Shangun foul insurance. That's kind mm-hmm. of what I that's kind of what I see Willie Cauley Stein as. He's a really, really solid backup center in the NBA. And playing backup center for Alperin Shangun is actually a really valuable spot for the Rockets because the guy does not for some reason just racks up fouls. I think it's not for some reason. It's because he's small, right? Mm-hmm. He's six nine, and and he he's he's forced to having to be more physical than these guys. And he's not he's not someone who's getting respect from the leagues right the league right now. So he's he's gonna get he's gonna get more whistles than most. And I think having him play like twenty minutes a game, it's gonna be a pretty valuable spot for Houston to put him in the rotation. I think right now, as of right now, I have him slotted in as backup center. I do like Bruno mm-hmm. Fernando. I, I really like him a lot. I I don't know who else. Uh, I don't know how you feel about him. I like I, I, what he did at the end of last season. I'm like, okay, this is a kind of a nice little sweetener that the Rockets got as a part of the Daniel Tice trade. I was like, I like him a lot, but not enough to where it's like I'm, I'm not playing Willie Cauley Stein over him. If that makes sense. I love Bruno Fernando. I, like I actually, lot, yeah. I actually have him as the backup center to Alperin Shagoon. Um, as you mentioned, and look, you was there right along next to me. We saw what he was able to do towards the end of last season, and I was very impressed. You know, at first I just thought he was just a guy that was just thrown into the Daniel Tice trade just to make, you know, contracts and all that other stuff work. But he really gave this team um, some production. And I do believe that's part of the reason why we saw general manager Raphael Stone give him a shot, a free agency shot that I believe his contract is could be could be converted into a two way contract. Um, you know, should he make this team, if I'm not mistaken. But Willie Carly Stein, I'm kind of conflicted how to feel about this signing because on one hand, I do believe that this organization, they do need a backup center, um, especially a bigger backup center to play behind LP. But at the same time, I'm just not sure how much Willie Carly Stein actually has left in the tank. I'm not even, I don't even believe that he's going to really make the team, to be honest with you. Um, I'm, how, I'm looking old, at this. How old is, is He's in his 20s, right? I don't know. I, I got to look it up. But, I mean, this is a guy last year. He's 29. He's, he's 29. I'm that, not sold on that. Like, I, I, I just don't know. Like, what I think Willie Carly Stein can bring to this team, I think Bruno, Bruno Fernando could be a, a better option. Um, when I when I take a look at what Bruno did on the defensive side of the ball, I remember, um, and, and I'm pretty sure you do, after the game, I believe it was against the Indiana Pacers, if I'm not mistaken, where he had like 14 rebounds or whatever the case might be. Um, somebody had asked Kevin Porter Jr. Um, during the post-game press conference about the impact that Fernando is having to close out this season. And Kevin Porter Jr. said the only thing this guy needed was a chance. And... I saw him around this team during the summer league tournament in Las Vegas. He was working out alongside um, Jalen Green and, and all the rest of the guys who was down there working out with the summer league team. And, you know, there is a plan for Bruno Fernando. Let me just say that. I'm just not too sure if that's Willie Carly sign. I mean, if anything, 
I think he probably could just be a veteran present that you have in the locker room that you can put out there on the floor, you know, depending on the emergency situation like they did a couple of years ago with Tyson Chandler. I'm, I'm pretty sure you remember that uh, when they had Tyson Chandler, you know, being a quote unquote backup to Clint Capella. But we really didn't see Tyson Chandler that much. But I'm not too sure Willie Carly Sign is going to make this roster. I mean, if anything, if they wanted another backup big, I would say, you know, just to make it three, because I do believe they're going to need more depth at that position. I I would have preferred general manager Raphael Stone to have made that decision with Eric Holman, a guy who I believe played really well throughout the Rockets summer league tournament. I mean, this was a guy who averaged like six rebounds and one and a half blocks during his play in Las Vegas and I even think he possibly could have been more of a better signing for this organization, at least for training camp purposes, than Willie Carly Sign. I mean, Carly Sign, I know he played a solid role for the Dallas Mavericks over the last couple of years, but last year he really didn't play much. I believe he only played like a couple games with the Philadelphia 76ers and then they waived him. So, I mean, at this stage in his career, I'm just not sure how much he's going to be able to provide to this organization. I just have a feeling that there's got to be a reason why they signed him, right? And I feel oh yeah, like most that, definitely, right? And like I think that reason is backup center because otherwise, like veteran presence. I mean, it's like it's not like Eric Gordon is not on the team anymore. It's not like they don't have veterans on on, on the roster. It's just I, especially with Bruno Fernando, it's like I think they want to ease him into the backup center spot. And mm-hmm. I think perhaps at the end of the season he starts playing backup center minutes, right? Like we're we're you know. We're, rebuilding teams they typically start resting veterans and shutting them down and mm-hmm. i feel like at, at that point like willie collie stein's probably going to be out of the rotation and then you get bruno fernando and i think you can you kind of you can kind of get the best of both worlds here and that you don't have to pressure fernando to actually go be that guy for you right now and at the same time you can still get your um you can still get him development time towards the end of the season yeah and, and i get that but me personally i just <laughs> I just don't see Willie Carly Stein making he's solid. His team. He's not like a bad player. He's he's good. I mean, he's solid, but at the same time, like, okay, let me ask you this question: What do you feel that he can do on the court as of right now that you can say, okay, let's wait till Bruno Fernando develop in this area? Defend without fouling. Mm, okay. That's probably the most important thing that he he provides to Houston: defending without fouling. And I mm-hmm. think. Um, I think especially once once Shangun gets into into foul trouble, because again, it's not it's not just one player that gets into foul trouble. The team gets into foul trouble, and at that point, you want you want someone out there who's making smarter decisions. And like, listen, Kali Stein's made his mistakes. He's he's kind of you know, he's 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 seasoned. He, he he's not gonna he's not gonna go out there and make silly fouls. Mm-hmm. And that's all you want him to do. You just want him to go play um, insurance. And I think that's that's fine. And I, I don't have a problem with, with Houston putting Fernando's development on the back burner. It's not like he's like a lottery <laughs> pick, right? He's like, I, yeah. I, I, I like Fernando. I don't, I'm not, I'm not like jumping over, like you have to have him in the rotation. It's like, you know, I was surprised that Shangun made the rotation last season and he was like the 16th overall pick just because it's like, once you get past the lottery, nobody's guaranteed playing time. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's like, you look you look across the league a lot of these guys in that 15 to 30 range they end up playing in the g league a lot of their minutes and 
usually by the time next season comes, the, the, the following season after the rookie year comes around, that's when they really break into the rotation. And, uh, or actually, they, they break in at the, towards the end of the first season and then going mm-hmm. into the second season and they play backup roles, right? And then they, you know, then, then, you know, that's slow development, they become a starter, et cetera, et cetera, right? And Willie Collie Stein, I mean, not Willie Collie Stein, Bruno Fernando, it's like, I, I, I don't even believe he was drafted. He was like a late first round pick, right? I don't he, remember. Um, I believe he started his career with the Hawks, if I'm not mistaken, and then he ended up going to Boston. I know you played a lot of minutes with Boston G League team. Of course, he was in the he was in the trade for um, that sent Daniel Tice back to Boston. But I get what you're saying about you being surprised about Alpi. He, he was the 34th overall pick. So it's like by which team? By um. It felt the 76ers. So nothing oh, is guaranteed. Is cool. Yeah, nothing is guaranteed there, right? At 34, it's like I don't think it's gonna really I don't think it's a big issue to really just have him not play or at least have him play in the G League for mm-hmm. right now. And then he'll he'll get his time. It's just gonna happen towards the end of the season. And then perhaps by that point, next season, Houston probably isn't signing a backup center anymore, right? Like at that point, maybe Houston could just go into the season. It's like, okay, Bruno Fernando's our guy. Hmm. Yeah. And, and, and look, I like that plan. Um, you know, like I mentioned, I believe right now Bruno has just a training camp competition roster that can convert into a two way, if I'm not mistaken. Exhibit um, but, 10, yeah, I think, I think so. Hmm. But, um, you know, I just go back to how the way Bruno Fernando finished off last season, man. I really like what he was yeah. able to do as a backup big man. I remember sitting there thinking to myself, like, and of course, you know, everybody kind of figured that. LP was going to be the starting the starting center going into this season. But I remember sitting there thinking to myself, I would not mind if they ride with Bruno Fernando. And like I mentioned, um, I'm pretty sure the Rockets do have a plan for him. Cause like I just finished mentioning in Las Vegas, he was around the team, you know, he was working out with the team and you know, so there's something there, but you know, and, and like you just finished saying, you know, maybe they're going to use Willie Carly Stein as, you know, okay, we're going to bring you in for minutes at the beginning of the season. Then we're going to start seeing that slow transition that we saw last year with LP and even Josh Christopher. By the way, you say you were surprised that Elfie broke into the rotation. I was surprised that Josh Christopher broke into yeah. the rotation as early as he did. Because I thought that was a guy that was going to spend majority, if not all, of last season in the G League. And after his, he, he birthday, never went down, which is crazy. Like he he, he never man. went down there. Yeah, and after his birthday, what was that? Was that like the win against the the Nets? Or oh, one of those wins that they had? He just took off and just never came down. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it. I wasn't surprised when I started seeing him in the preseason start bringing Houston back into games. You remember mm-hmm. that? Like, he, oh, yeah. like, the Rockets would go down like really heavy, like 20 points. And then in the fourth quarter, it was like, okay, it's, okay, it's garbage time, bringing Josh Christopher. And mm-hmm. Josh Christopher would bring them back into the game by himself. Right? It's yeah. like, okay, at some point, this guy is going to challenge for minutes because it kept on happening. Even when the season <laughs> started, that didn't stop. He just kept bringing them back into games. It's like, okay, once... You know, the rotation gets, you know, muddy down a little bit. It's like, okay, now he'll find a way into the rotation. The Shangun thing, I, I wasn't surprised after after I saw him in the G League, and not in the G League, in Summer League. It's like, okay, yeah, I think he's going to make the rotation. I didn't see him being a sixth or seventh guy. That, mm-hmm. that, that, that was what was surprising me, especially after they signed Daniel Tice. Like, there was, they're signing Daniel Tice, so maybe they don't even see him as that guy. But he, he impressed to such an extent to where he was like the backup center. Like, towards for a solid stretch of the season after Daniel Tice was booted and I think I think that's kind of the plan with uh Stein and like I I think for right now 
Fernando has time, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, you know, he he's so young, and it's not there's not an urgency to play him. You know, he born in '98, like he's 24 years old, right? Like he's 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 he'll have time to to solidify himself in the rotation. Um, now there's an urgency on his part because he wants an NBA contract. He wants that two way deal. He wants to actually have like some security. But on the Rockets' end, you know they have no obligation to give him that security. It's hard. That's a, that's a tough thing to say. It's it's pretty cold. But I mean, it, that is that is the nature of a team with this many draft picks. There's just not that many roster spots. Yeah. Um, I think I think he'll again. I think he'll make the final roster. I just think he'll spend most of his time as a two way guy, and that's fine with me. I don't I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, I I don't need it. Look, put it like this: as long as they have some type of plan that ends up with Fernando playing significant minutes for the Rockets at some point, I will be happy. As you can tell, I'm part of the Bruno Fernando <laughs> fan club. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like him. I I like him a lot. Like he 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 definitely did not look like a young guy out there that, towards the end of the season, right? He looked very mm-hmm. comfortable, and he wasn't. You know, a lot of times when young guys make make the rotation towards the end of the season, it's like they're chunking up shots. It's not it's not what he was doing. He was just playing his role. And I, I like that. I like when young guys just kind of fit in. They're very comfortable. They don't feel an urgency to like, okay, now it's garbage time. I'm playing. I'm going to go chunk up shots. It's like, mm-hmm. no, I'm comfortable. I'm going to go play my game regardless if I'm playing five minutes or if I'm playing 20 minutes. I know I, I'll, I'll be able to impress in these five minutes. And he was that guy last year. Um, so the Rockets offseason is pretty much over. You know, there might be <laughs> another move left. I, you know, we'll talk about that in a second. But for the most part, we're done. And I think it's as good a time as any to grade what they've done so far. And, you know, I did this last season and I, I, I feel like I, I want to adjust my grades at some point because, you know, some of the stuff, uh, you know, the Daniels high sign didn't work out. I mm. think um, the Josh Christopher pick, I still like it, but you look at what Quinn Grimes is doing, you know, it's like you could have mm. had Quinn, Quinn Grimes, you know? But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like, I, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll do that at some point. We'll do that, you know, maybe in a couple of weeks we'll regrade their off season. But as far as this season, this off season, I feel like they did pretty good. You know, they didn't do anything like they they didn't waste any money. They didn't, you know, you go out there and like, oh, we have to go spend our mid level exception. They, mm-hmm. you know, they they went out there and drafted their guys. They moved the guys they needed to move, and I think they didn't really make any you know mis- any moves that I would consider to be mistakes down the line. I don't think anything that they did. It's like okay. This is kind of something that they're going to have to dump, or they're going to. This is something they're going to have to course correct with. I don't. I don't think they did anything like that this offseason. I'd probably give them, as of right now, an A minus. I think they did. I think. I think they did pretty solid. It was a pretty solid offseason all around. Yeah, and I one hundred percent agree with you. That's the grade that I would end up giving um, the Rockets for all the offseason move. And you know, they did several things that I like. First and foremost. I liked, and you already alluded to this, it it seems like they didn't force themselves into making this deal or, as you mentioned, spending this this type of money or drafting this particular player. You know, I love the fact that they didn't force anything. And most importantly, it seemed like every single player that they brought in, it was more so to build around the foundation that is already there. And I go all the way back to, you know, what they did during the, during the NBA draft. And once again, look, you, you be alongside the press conferences with me. Um, you remember, um, I believe it was the day after the NBA combine, if I'm not mistaken. And, um, 
you know, it was just revealed Rockets had the number three pick. And somebody asked um, Raphael Stone, you know, are you going to go after fit or talent? And, of course, he gave the whole political answer, you know, blah, 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 blah. But it seemed like to me, when I, when I see the Rockets and the players that they was able to land in the draft, um, like I mentioned, it seemed like they did a great job building upon the foundation by getting players who are actually a better fit. And I'm pretty sure I know you might agree with me on disagree disagree with me on this one, oh. but oh, okay. this is part of the reason why I like the fact that they was able to draft Jabari Smith Jr. over Paolo Bancaro. Mm. Let me say this first. Yes, especially after what I saw throughout the Summer League tournament. Paolo Bancaro is the better player. Let me just say that. But I think in terms of what Jabari Smith Jr. can bring to this organization, especially on the defensive side of the ball, because I always go back to the second half of last season, and we saw Jalen Green, we saw Alperin Shagun, we saw Kevin Porter Jr., we Josh Christopher, we saw all of the Rockets' young guys, young guys get into a rhythm where you can say, okay, I'm starting to see the foundation and what Coach Steven Silas is doing with this organization and putting structure around this team. I was on the side of I wanted to see the Rockets draft and get guys for fit versus talent. And when I go back to the draft, once again, Paolo Bancaro is the better player, but I think that because Jabari Smith Jr., his best attribute, and he even said it himself, his best attribute is what he can do on the defensive side of the floor. And as of right now, it seems like he's going to be a guy that's going to be able to defend on all three levels. I think that was more important for the Rockets this season versus what they would have gotten out of Paolo if they would have gotten him into the draft. Because look, once again, Paolo's the better player, but he's more so the better player on the offensive side of the ball. And I go back and I take a look at the games during the second half of last season where the Rockets lost by three, where the Rockets lost by five, where the Rockets lost by seven. I go back and I say to myself, not only did experience hurt them, but not having a defensive force also hurt them as well. And they not only got that in Jabari Smith Jr., but they also got that in Tari Eason as well. And, you know, when I take a look at all of the moves that general manager Raphael Stone did, once again, it just seemed like he did a tremendous job, and Coach Steven Silas as well. They did a tremendous job building upon the foundation that is there and improving on areas where they didn't have a foundation, i.e. defense. You underestimate me, Cody, because you, <laughs> you, you, you said that I would, not, I would not be a fan of drafting Jabari over Paolo. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. Uh, you, you made a, def a pretty definitive statement there. You said Paolo is the better player. And mm -hmm. I, I, I'm not, it's just way too early for me to say something like that. Like, mm. I, I, I just, I, I, I remember how, how much Evan Mobley struggled during summer league last year. Mm. And I, I remember how much he thrived during the regular season. It's just summer league is just, there's a, there's a lot of bad sample size there. There's, there's some good sample size, right? Like I think you look at what Paulo was able to do. I think a lot of that is translatable at the NBA level. A lot of what Jalen Green was able to do last year, at last summer league was translatable at the NBA level. But sometimes it's, you know, guys have bad summer leagues. You know, I think uh, mm -hmm. I remember, if I'm not mistaken, um, Trey Young had a bad summer league. Yeah, Trey, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, Trey Young was a guy who was uh, struggling out there. And, it, and the, the Hawks were getting absolutely killed for that trade. Because obviously they gave away Luca and Luca looked like a stud. And <laughs> my thing, my thing is like, 
can we wait like half a season? Can we wait like three fourths of a season? Can, can we wait a little bit of time before we write off somebody? Like I just I like as much as I like Paulo Banquero, and I did have I did have him ranked ahead of uh, ahead of Jabari. I had Chet Holmgren ranked ahead of Jabari as well. Um, I I still had him third, right? And it was mm-hmm. a tentative third. It was a tentative third because I really liked Jaden Ivey, and I was tempted to put him over Jabari. Mm-hmm. I still I still settled on him as third at third. And Houston did exactly what I, what I would have done in that spot. Like, I, I'm not going to pretend like, oh, I, I would have done anything differently at third three. I would have taken Jabari Smith Jr. That was, the, I, that was who I considered to be the best player left on the board. Mm. So I think, you know, I'm, I'm going to give it time. You know, he, he really did struggle out there, especially shooting three ball. And, like, yeah. here, here's the thing. I don't think he's going to struggle to shoot the three ball in the NBA. I just think, <laughs> like, the, the, the one thing that he really, really struggled at was shooting the basketball, right? And like we know that that is a strength of his. So some of that might just be you pick you pick a random six game sample, and sometimes players have slumps, and that might have been just a random bad six game sample for him. And I think I think you know going into next season over an eighty two game season, he's probably going to have to have like you know shoot the ball at like thirty eight percent from three at least, right, mm-hmm. to, to justify that third overall spot. But defensively, what we saw from him. I mean that's kind of right in line, if not better, as a rim protector. He he played a lot better rim protector wise than I thought mm-hmm. he was going to ever play. Right? Like I I thought, you know, I I know how good he, he is as a switch defender. I know how good he is off ball, but in terms of protecting the basket, I had significant concerns about you know whether or not he could, he'd be able to be that guy, a guy you could slide mm-hmm. down to center at some point, right? And he played center. Yeah. You know they had no choice but to play him at center because um because Usman Garuba was hurt. Right. And I think, you know, what I saw from him in that position really impressed me defensively and the shooting stuff. You know, it's I feel like a lot of it was, you know, mental. Right. He, he wasn't shooting yeah. the, the ball the same way he normally does. Uh, he uh, I, I can't remember who mentioned it first on this podcast. I think it was I think it was Dave. I th- I'm going to say it was Dave. If not, I'm sorry, whoever said it. <laughs> I, I think I think he was aiming to shoot the basketball instead of actually just shooting. Right. He was like aiming for mm-hmm. the move. And instead of just like having it flick off your wrist, and like I think some of that is like, listen, this guy was expected to go number one. I'm sure he thought he was going number one. Um, I'm sure up until we found out that he wasn't going number one, That's that was crazy, by the way. <laughs> right, like he that was his expectation. Like I'm going to Orlando, right? Mm-hmm. And just having that change overnight, I can't imagine the, the the mental fatigue there. Like that that that's the mental strain there. Just going from number one to number three in the in the NBA draft. You first of all, you're losing you're losing a, a good chunk of money there. Second of all, like that's your confidence is shot a little bit, right? Like just it's mm-hmm. just you know, like you everybody expected you to be the guy, you know, the prize of this draft, and instead you ended up being the third guy. And you know, I'm sure there was a a bit of like I have to go prove myself, and, and and I think some of the times, like especially in the match matchups with Boncaro, it's like sometimes it's like okay, you can just go play your game, man. You don't have to go treat this as a one on one matchup, you know. Mm. And I think I I don't have I don't you know I, I look at what he did at the summer league. What did concern me because it was a concern of mine going into summer league was ball handling, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think that is a significant concern of mine, um, especially when you look at what Jay Nivey was able to do in summer league in the two games that he played or one and a half games or however many games he played. Yeah, one and a half. Right. He looked awesome, right? And that's that's the pick you might regret. But in terms of Bancaro, in terms of Chet, you had no control over that. You know, like mm-hmm. I did, th- what the Rockets didn't draft looks fine to me. 
I have no problem what they did in the draft. And that's why, again, I still haven't, I haven't been at an A-. Like I, I'm not docking them for the Jabari pick just yet because I want to see him on the NBA floor, on the NBA floor. Um, and what you mentioned about them targeting fit this year, I think it's so, like, that's the biggest reason I really like their offseason. Like, everything just mm-hmm. makes sense, right? Like, they built a lot of their foundation last year because they, they took Green, they took Shangun. I think those are two cornerstone-type talents. You know, you may mm-hmm. disagree with me about Shangun. I don't know. No, uh, no, no. I, I agree. I, I definitely agree. Like, yeah. I remember we 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 had uh we we had a, a fun argument because this was early on in the season. I remember you was telling me that you know you had already had LP really high and you thought that was a steal at number sixteen. And I remember I was like, ah, I don't know about blah, blah blah. Now I one hundred percent agree with you. That yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so you have your corner. You, you took your cornerstones last year, and it's like in this year's draft, it's like you took your complimentary guys, mm-hmm. right? You, you surrounded Alper and Shangun and Jalen Green with, with quality defenders who can shoot the basketball. Everybody they drafted, can you, I could easily envision in the NBA being good defenders and being good shooters, right? Ty Ty mm-hmm. Washington, may, perhaps he isn't a good defender yet, but we know he's a, good, he's a decent enough shooter, right? And, mm-hmm. but he, and we know he has the length to be a good defender. He's good, really good size for a point guard. And Jabari Smith Jr., obviously, 3 and D, that, that, was, his, that was his ML. Uh, Tari Eason like, was... We'll talk about Tarius in a minute. We'll talk about Tarius in a minute. Um, I did want to ask you, what was your favorite move? Honestly, and I know you know some people might think otherwise, but my favorite move might have been them keeping Eric Gordon. And I say that because when you take a look at a rebuild, you know a lot of people just think, oh, you just go out there and draft young, talented players and develop them. Yeah, while that is a big role in it. In order for a team to have a successful rebuild, you have to keep some type of veteran presence, some type of veteran leadership in that locker room. And yes, I would prefer to see Eric Gordon move on and actually compete for a championship. However, he has great respect in within that locker room. We've heard Kevin Porter Jr. say, we have heard Jalen Green say, almost every young player talked about how they look up to Eric Gordon. Not only that, even Coach Steven Silas has mentioned as well. Like Eric Gordon means a lot within that locker room. And everyone wants to see the Rockets in this rebuild by going back to the team they were during the James Harden years or whatever the case might be, the Akeem years or whatever the case might be. Like everyone has the same goal and idea in mind. We want to see this Houston Rockets rebuild pay off to where we can be like, oh, okay, they're competing for a championship in the next three to four years or whatever the case might be. But in order in order for these players to continue developing, they have to make sure that they keep a veteran presence in the locker room and not just any veteran and say, oh, look, I'm a veteran. You do what I say. No, they have to earn and gain the respect of someone that they, you know, look up to. And I just remember going back to the trade deadline and I remember someone asking Kevin Porter Jr. about, um, you know, how relieved or I guess how happy he was that Gordon is still part of this team. And he said, look, Gordon helped us a lot behind closed doors and he was 100 percent relieved and happy that. Gordon was still part of this organization. I believe that was the same night um, Coach Steven Silas finally talked about the importance of Eric Gordon to that team's locker room. And, you know, like I just mentioned, everyone wants the Rockets to have a successful rebuild. So in the next 10 years, we could have some fan base say, oh, look, we want to do it the Houston Rockets way. But 
it's very important that they keep a veteran presence in that locker room. And to me, favorite move off the offseason is the fact that as elites of right now, we're going into training camp saying that Eric Gordon is still part of this roster. Okay. Um, how do I want to react? So I actually don't have a problem with them keeping Eric Gordon right now. But I do want to say this, and this has been my stance for a while. And, you know, if you listen to this podcast, you probably have heard it before. Veteran leadership and culture and all that, that, that I think that's so overrated. Like, it's <laughs> yeah, so I just overrated. I, I, I think it's so overrated. I, I, I can't stand, like, especially when I read about rebuilding teams and, like, <laughs> why they're doing a certain move or why they're not doing a certain move and, like, criticisms about a rebuilding team. Like, I, the, the, whenever I hear about, oh, they kept a veteran around or, oh, that they should go out and go get a veteran. They go get go get an adult, right? Go, that's, that's that's the that's the that's the language here. Go get go get an adult in that locker room, right? And it's like why, like well, why why does that why does that veteran have to be like a, a twenty million dollar a year player? Why can't that veteran be like a minimum contract player? What's the difference between those two functionally? If you want an adult in the room, right? I I guess for me it's like I'd like Eric Gordon because he just makes sense for the roster, mm-hmm. for the Rockets because it's like they need floor spacing. And I don't know who's going to start a three for Houston. I'm looking at I'm looking at their roster. It's like I I, I really like I really like Tar Eason, and I have no problem with um with a lot of their wings. But I don't see anyone ready right that right now to go step in and play next to next to Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green. I like Eric Gordon in that spot, especially because after after Tar Eason, who's the wing there to back you up? Mm-hmm. Right, you don't have that guy. Uh, the roster is kind of a cluster, right? It's like you have a bunch of guards, and I mean, you cleared up some of your bigs, but before you had a bunch of bigs, uh, and now you can kind of balance it out with, okay, you know what? Eric Gordon's kind of a wing for us. He's a wing, and he can be a wing for you up until the trade deadline until you get proper value, whatever you deem to be proper value. Uh, I think that should be a first round pick. I think that's what they view it as. I think they have offers on the table for first round picks. Uh, I think they're holding out for what for the best possible first round pick. We'll see if that strategy pays off. Um, I, I think it's it's a gamble one way or another. If, for somebody to say it's a good strategy, for somebody to say it's a bad strategy, definitively one way or the other. I don't know. I think I, I think I think it's too early to tell. We'll, we'll see when they ultimately get a return for Eric Gordon, whether or not it, it it works out that they held out. But as far as like you know what he provides to the team. I mean, he provides exactly what you need him to provide on the mm-hmm. basketball court, right? And and I think that kind of valuable floor spacing, um, I think, really helps the development of Shangoon. It really helps the development of Jalen Green. It really helps kind of ease the defensive responsibilities that the, that that backcourt has to take on. Um, and until you know, having him around, it's the trade deadline. Until you kind of figure out a, a, a more proper ring ro- wing rotation, I think that's not it's not a bad idea. I think. You know, and th- by the way, that's not even my favorite move. My favorite move is actually them trading Christian Wood. Like, of I, course, <laughs> I, I, I think this was the most important move that they're going to make this year, like by far. Because first of all, I thought the return was was adequate. You know, like I thought first mm-hmm. round pick, two second round picks. You know, it's not it's not on the high end of the spectrum, but it's not certainly not on the low end of the spectrum. Um, it's good enough. And I thought, you know, as far as like. You know, mm-hmm. now he's your center. Now you don't have to play around and and do the stupid wood and Shengu lineups, which we know we're gonna fail, and we saw them fail. We saw the, those lineups <laughs> be deeply in the red. They were always bad, right? 
Like they just never made sense. Like, oh, uh, and uh, you know what really bothered me is like when people would try to justify those lines. It's like, oh, look at this pass that Shangun just made. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, makes great passes to everyone. It, like those two might have great tech chemistry, but mm. playing those two together damages the rest of the lineup. Not mm-hmm. because not because they're not playing well off of each other, but because the floor space the floor is shrunk. Um, the, the that painted area is clogged, and there's just not a lot you can do defensively with those two starting. And so I I, I never I never bought into it. It just never made sense from a basketball <laughs> standpoint. No matter how many great passes the Shangun made to Wood, but uh, with it uh, sorry. Anyways, <laughs> you know, opening up this starting lineup, opening up the starting center spot for Shangun is gonna be so great for him. Because mm-hmm. there's no confusion about who's the guy. You're the guy. You're the guy we want long term starting for us at center, right? I think, you know, we'll see if he's able to be that guy defensively to justify that. But in in terms of like their stated goal, right? They're not. There's not any confusion there, right? Like this is what we're what we're trying to do. If we fail, well then we fail. But if we fail before, then oh, we can just say we really wanted Christian Wood to be that guy. Where it's like. I don't know if that was the smartest idea, especially because Christian Wood does not fit into your timeline. Mm. And I think, I don't know, that was my favorite move by far. It, it just clears up so much confusion. Like now it's like, okay, now it's simple. Shangun's a cornerstone guy. Jalen Green's a cornerstone guy. And, you know, the Rockets, I'm sure, hope that Jabari's a cornerstone guy. So now you have your cornerstones and they're all in the starting lineup and all your complementary guys can just fit in. The move of them, the get them trading Christian Wood to me was my second favorite because I don't know how you ever felt about it, but it just seemed like Wood just was never a fit here. Even when you had the whole idea when we first signed him and it was just like, you know, maybe, you know, him and Harden could establish some type of chemistry to keep Harden here for another season or whatever the case might be. Woods fit here in Houston just always seem odd. And the another thing that really was odd to me, and I'm pretty sure you probably thought this as well, was if he was still on this roster going into this season, what was going to be the plan, especially if the plan was to extend him? And I know that was a big topic of discussion for a lot of people. And I was always looking at this from a standpoint of, Maybe if you didn't have an opportunity to draft LP, maybe his fit, and especially with the timeline and all that other stuff, might have would have fit better. But once LP started finding his strive in the league, I was looking at Wood like, this signing really just doesn't make any sense to me now. Like I say, it never made sense to me that much to begin with. But, you know, that was the second best move of the offseason especially with that additional draft pick that you were, that you acquired. You was able to move that around. Then you landed um Tata Washington who in my opinion was a top five point guard entering this draft oh yeah for sure like in terms of the point guards in this draft I mean this wasn't a great point guard draft but in terms mm-hmm. of like where he was drafted I was so like, surprised he failed so low and, and, and what's crazy is like th- this might have been my less my least favorite move had they not made the second Christian Wood trade right like mm-hmm. which is like trading that first round pick down three spots and getting two seconds out of it. It's mm-hmm. like okay, now you now you got adequate value. Now 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 you didn't undersell Christian Wood, and now and now you're getting a guy at 26 that many people were talking about, like at 17 where Houston drafted Tari Eason, yep. right? 
And it's like that that's great. Like that that's like objectively great general managering. General managering? Is that a word? <laughs> we gonna make it a word. <laughs> Front officing, whatever it is, whatever whatever verb you want to use, that is great management. How about that? That's, that's, yeah, I know that's great management. <laughs> that is objectively great management. And I think I think the way they handled the assets there is like, yeah, that, that that's that's what you should do there. And as far as you know, his fit with the roster. Here's what here's how I always viewed it. He made sense up until James Harden got traded for a package that didn't include Ben Simmons. If, ben, mm. if you were getting Ben Simmons back, okay, now we're trying to semi-rebuild, right? We're trying to rebuild with, with 24, 25-year-old. Christian Wood's 25, makes sense next to Ben Simmons. Um, you, you have to go then pivot into trying to acquire 25-year-old really, really good star, like star players, right? And that's mm. it's hard, it's certainly hard to do. But Houston didn't pick that option. They, pick, they picked the Brooklyn option, which involved them getting back a crap load of draft picks, which meant that he didn't make sense anymore because those draft hmm. picks were like 18 years, 18 years old at the time. And now they're like 19, 20 and, he, and Christian Woods, 26. He just doesn't make sense. Like he, he, he didn't make sense at that point. So I thought this was, this was, you know, it was time to trade him. I thought it was probably time to trade him. once it became clear uh, that you weren't going to have him long-term, which was probably after you made that hardened trade, but whatever the case, they did trade him um, and they did get decent value back from him. Um, and you know, I, I mentioned my favorite move was the Christian Wood trade. I, I do have an honorable mention here. I'm cheating because I really wanted to include this. I love the Tari Eason pick, and this was oh, th- this was a pick that I actually didn't like at first because I was like, okay, really, I like yeah, because I wanted Mal- I wanted I wanted Houston to go get Malachi Branham. I wanted Malachi Branham to go high in the draft. He was one of my guys. Mm. I I loved Malachi Branham, and I was like, okay, he's there for you. Go take him. Right? He's like he's such a talented offensive player and i recognize that a lot of his development happened in his second year his sophomore season so there's some risk there mm-hmm. the same thing with tarisa a lot of his development happened in his sophomore season oh yeah he, most yeah, definitely he, he made a, a giant leap like as a as a shooter specifically like he became a much better free throw shooter a much better three-point shooter and a much more reliable score and i didn't i didn't have a problem with the pick to be clear i didn't have a problem with it i just thought Oh, you could have gotten, you could have had Malachi Branham, but in terms of value, he's exceeding that value right now. Like he, he looks like a guy that that should have gone to the lottery. That's how that's how good he looked in summer league. Let's be clear, like he posted really solid offensive numbers. Not just you know, obviously the defensive numbers are you know not the defensive numbers, the, the def- how he played defensively in the summer league that was impressive. But what he was doing offensively when he would catch a basketball and and actually do something with it. Right, he mm-hmm. wasn't. He wasn't just your Trevor Ariza three and D guy. He doesn't look to be that guy. He looks like he can actually create offense for himself. He looks like a Jeremy Grant type. And if you pick the Jeremy Grant type at pick seventeen, that's amazing value. Hmm. It's amazing value. I mean, he, if if he's legit, has offensive chops to him, which increasingly I think he might have offensive chops to him. Like that's you know you're talking about a guy who's probably going to play you know small forward for you that can actually do stuff without the basketball and with the basketball and defend at a really high level. He's probably like one of the five best defenders in the draft. You know, you're talking Chet, Jabari. Then after that, who who else are you taking? I'm, I'm probably taking Tari at that point. Yeah. Right? And I yeah, was just I mean, going to say sorry, really sorry. quick. No, I was just going to say really quick, man. Um, Tari Eason was my favorite pick of the draft because you remember I was going back to fit and especially what they needed. 
I definitely wanted to see the Rockets go after somebody that can play on that defensive perimeter. And every time I saw Tory Easton, he was high on my board. And I just kept saying, if the Rockets had an opportunity to pick him at 17, please do. And I was so happy with that draft pick. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I was definitely wrong. Like, like let's, let's, let's be clear. I was definitely wrong. Like, I, th- I thought, okay, at 17, that's a good pick. It's not a great pick. It looks like a great pick. Mm-hmm. Right? It looks like someone, again, looks like a guy who should have been in the lottery. And it further insulates Jalen Green and Alperin Shangun defensively. Because you doubled down on defense. Because by uh, with Paulo Banquero climbing in the draft, you got, your, you got a defensive prospect, right, in Jabari Spitt Jr. And then you got another defensive prospect in the front court with Tari Eason. And now all you really have to worry about in the front court is Shangun. That's it. Mm-hmm. And if, if Kevin Porter Jr., this is the big if, right? If Kevin Porter Jr. can become a plus defender, you have the bones of a, of a, of a solid, a really, really solid you know, foundation. And we'll see if, if that's the case, right? Because I, I think that's probably the biggest what if left is if Kevin Porter Jr. can be that guy next to Jalen Green. If he's, mm-hmm. not a, if he's not a plus, even if he's like a really good player, if he's not a plus defender, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. You can't have two negatives in the backcourt defensively. It just, it just, it doesn't make sense to me. You have to have at least one of those guys be a plus defender, and I think you know Kevin Porter Jr. is that guy. But if Kevin Porter Jr. is that guy, then the only two weaknesses in, in the in the lineup are Jalen Green and Shangun. And I think both of those guys can get to league average at points. Even Jalen Green, towards the end of the season, he was playing slightly above what I thought he would ever do last season because I watched him in the G League. He was not that. He was not defending like that. Like he was defending towards the, the end of last season. So Shangun, if he can just be like a good positional guy, then these guys will cover for you. Tari Eason will cover for you. Jabari Smith Jr. will cover for you. And if, you know, if Kevin Porter Jr. can be that guy, then Jalen Green's like, you know, gonna be he's gonna flourish. He's gonna he might still flourish anyways, but he he'll be much more optimized if you have Kevin Porter Jr. be a plus defender. I, I loved the Tari Eason pick. Like I, I, I was definitely wrong on that. <laughs> no, I, I love it too. Like I mentioned, he was high on my draft board, and I just kept. I was I was just hoping, man. I just hope he's there at number seventeen for the Rockets. And when he was, man, I, I loved the pick. Once again, it further solidified you getting fit and you building upon areas and laying a foundation that you didn't have there once again i.e defense so i love that as for the concern about kevin porter jr i believe that he can he can jump up to that spot of being a you know a plus nest to jalen green um especially on the defensive side of the court and i do believe both of those guys especially more so jalen green we're going to see better versions of them on the defensive side because it seemed like to me, and you can let me know if you saw this as well, during the second half of last season, that's part of the reason why we saw both of those guys take take a step. It was their strength, their physical strength. And it seemed like they was able to get a little bit more physical strength in the second half of the season. And with the work that both of those guys have put in throughout the offseason, I'm expecting them to get a lot stronger, which means, of course, they could be a little bit more physical and they could take those hits that were, you know, early on in the year, they was just getting pushed around. Yeah, I think with Jalen, it wasn't strength that I saw. I think it was just fear. The fear went away. Like he wasn't contorting anymore around the basket. Right? Like mm-hmm. like the, the weird, like you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do this 360 or this like you know reverse layup. It's like no, just go straight up, go into the contact. He started doing that, mm-hmm. and I, and like that 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 to me was a sign of him getting comfortable and him adding strength. I'd be very curious to see what that does for him defensively. Kevin Porter Jr. Listen, there's there's no reason he can't be a good defender. 
I mean, look how big he is. And, and and he can certainly add strength, and he's already decently strong when you see mm-hmm. him attack the basket. Like, if he can get to being, like, a plus... If, if he adds even more strength, there's no reason he shouldn't be a plus defender other than just him not putting in the, the, the requisite work, the focus because a lot of this is focus he has to be he has to be locked in if he can be that guy i think on the ball it's it's a lot easier to improve on the ball defensively off the ball that that's where you really have to lock in and for him i'm concerned about it i'm a a little concerned about if he can become that but we'll see again he's so young i i don't i don't like making making definitive statements about anybody uh but i would bet against it is what i would say i would bend i would bet against Mm -hmm. his long-term uh defensive upside um and I, I think I think even even if that's the case, that has nothing to do with this offseason. Kevin Porter Jr. is just he's just there, right? What they did is be is turn a really negative defensive team into some a, a team that could potentially be a positive defensive team in the future, right? Like this team was so bad defensively last season, and and like they didn't have many much hope outside of Usman Garuba, who was not even playing to get <laughs> better. They didn't have much hope to get better. And now they actually have hope to get better. So I think, you know, I, that, that's probably why I, I, I think going after fit this draft was fine. And it's not like they didn't go after upside as well. Jabari, again, Jabari was the, the right pick there. Uh, I think Tari Eason, because of what he showed offensively, seems like he has offensive upside. So they did go after, and, and again, Ty Ty Washington, uh, you and I agree that he probably should have gone higher in the draft. And it's not like they didn't go after upside. So they, it's not like they, they went after fit at the expense of upside. They still got that upside, you know? Yeah. I 100% agree with you. But, you know, we will see, man. I'm just so happy where, at least on paper and what we was able to see out of Summer League, it just seems like this team is going to be better on the defensive side of the ball. That's something both Coach um, Steven Silas and, Nick, not Nick Siri, I'm thinking Texans. That's something um, Coach Steven Silas and General Manager Raphael Stone really wanted to improve on, you know, throughout the offseason. I really do think they did. Better, better, a better defensive team means more wins and a better rebuilding um, project for this organization moving forward. What was your least favorite move? Not trading Kenya Martin Jr. I would yeah. say that was that was my least favorite because Look, I like I like Kmart, but at the same time, I don't know what else he could provide to this team. And now you went out and drafted Tari. I don't really see how he's going to be able to be a part of this rotation. Um, and that's probably the reason why he was, you know, according to reports, we <laughs> have requested a trade. But I I just think they could have gotten. You know, rather that be a draft pick or whatever the case might be, I kind of don't want to see this organization go into the season with this trade request surrounding the organization. Now, look, it's King, it's Kenya Martin Jr. It's not like they're going into the training camp with the whole James Harden, you know, trade request hanging over their yeah. head. But there's you know, levels to this. Yeah, yeah, there's level to this yeah. for sure. But I, I just want to, cause. I, I, I want to see the Rockets be better this season, um, especially for Coach Steven Silas. This is a guy who definitely deserves it. Um, I And in order for them to be a better, at least competitive team and actually 
just just be competitive or whatever the case might be i do believe that they need to go into training camp with a lot of these question marks taken care of and the day that i read i believe the report came from um our good friend kelly um the day that he reported that um kmart has has requested a trade i'm looking at this from a standpoint okay just get rid of them, get what you can from them. Do not go into the offseason with this lingering around the team, with this being a part of the locker room. Because a young team like that, it is very critical for them to make sure they go in with a clean and very close-knit locker room. Not saying that Kevin Porter Jr. is not going to be there, but the cat is out of the bag. He's already requested a trade, and... The Rockets could get something back in return from him. That is my least favorite move as of right now, at least. Yeah, that's 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 a good that's a good answer. Like I actually didn't think of that. What I would say is like I think they have time, and I think that he's probably at this point because the trade request is, is so fresh in everyone's mind. This is probably mm-hmm. not the time to do it because you're not mm-hmm. going to get optimal value, right? Yeah, you're right. And I think you know it might be. He, I don't see. A straight up one for one swap with Kev, with Kenyon Martin Jr. I, I don't think that exists. I think he's probably gonna like the moment he gets traded, he's going to be part of another trade. Mm-hmm. Whether that's whether that's an Eric Gordon trade or another trade down the line, like I think that's probably the best possible value you, you can squeeze out of it, out of the asset. Like I think including him in like an Eric Gordon trade, like you can say, Hey, we're including basically draft capital, right? This is a guy who was essentially a first round pick last like two years ago, right? He played like that. He like he should have been a first round pick. We took him mm-hmm. the second round, but he 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 showed first round pick value, and we're including that on top of Eric Gordon. So you got to you got to really give us a nice pick, right? That's kind of where I would see him fitting into a trade in the future, and I think I I think that's probably where what Houston ultimately ends up doing because it's not like they're going to go out and trade him for another second round pick. I I don't think that would be wise. I don't I don't think. It's it's just hitting on second round picks is super hard. It's better to just try and get multiple second round picks uh, if you're going to try and get second round picks than getting just one. Unless you see someone that you really really like, and you're not going to know if you see someone that you really really like until it's draft time, and you know who's going to actually be there. So I don't I don't think trading for a second round pick is the move. Uh, I think maybe trading for two second round picks, maybe including him in another trade to where the package you're getting back for Eric Gordon. Or another player is is better than not including him. That's probably where I see him being moved. But it is going to be weird. He's going to be asked about it at media day. Like mm-hmm. no, somebody, like somebody responsible is definitely going to ask about Kev, about Kenyon Martin Jr. You just you just can't, especially if if he makes an appearance by himself. It's it's going to be one of the first questions asked, if not the first question asked to him. And if not, he's going to have to make an an appearance in front of the media at some point. If he's playing, if he's in the rotation, he's going to get asked a question about the trade request. So oh, yeah. it, it's going to be weird, but I, it's, I don't, I don't see it as some sort of dark cloud is what I would say. I would mm-hmm. see it as kind of a, a, a cloud, but it's in the corner, right? Cause yeah. he's, not, <laughs> he's not, he's not one of your foundational players. If it was like, if it, if Jalen green requested a trade, right, that would be devastating to the chemistry, to everything. Right. But this is not that. Yeah. My other least favorite move was them letting go John wall. You know, I'm lying. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm just I, playing. I, I was trying. To I just wanted out. to see your face. 
I just I was trying to figure out how I wanted to respond to that. I, yeah. <laughs> you thought I was for real? I mean, listen, you, you're the veteran leadership guy, you know. So you start you started this podcast off talking about veteran leadership with Eric Gordon. Oh, he really he really believes in this, huh? I mean, look, after covering the Texans over the last couple of years, that is when I look at this and say, okay, at some point, veteran leadership and culture do play a role. But I just, I just wanted to just, I just wanted yeah, to yeah. just poke you and just make fun of John Wall really quick. <laughs> yeah, and he, I, you know, as a quick aside, I think he's going to be good for the Clippers. I, I think so. I think one, he will be more willing to accept a lesser role with a more established team like the Clippers versus whatever he was thinking here in Houston. <laughs> yeah, and I, I also think he, he's still good. Like, I, I think, you know, a lot of people look at John Wall and think of him as, like, kind of a washed NBA player. It's like, he's, like, 33 years old, right? Mm-hmm. He's not – it's not like he's over the hill. He We we both saw that he's still extremely fast, mm-hmm. right? That's his, that's his best asset. He's still out there. Uh, still huge, right? So he's going to be a, he's going to be a positive defensive player, uh, especially because he's older, he's smarter. He's, he's he'll be able to help you out on the defensive end, and for the Clippers specifically, for what they're asking him to do to be that third piece for them, or be that for third, fourth, whatever fifth piece, he's, he's going to be a closing lineup guy. He's going to oh, be yeah. a guy that closes that closes games for the Clippers. So I have no problem with um with him on that team, and I think really what was preventing Houston from trading him with that was not his talent. It's not like he what John Wall is not talented. Yeah, it was from a money standpoint. Yeah. Absolutely. It was it was all about the money. If he was if he was getting paid fifteen million dollars a year or ten million dollars a year, the Rockets would not have had too much trouble trading finding a new hmm. home for him, right? But he was getting paid like thirty to forty million dollars a year. Right? <laughs> that, that, that's that's another ballpark. It's very, very hard to find trades for those guys if they're not stars. Yeah, I, like I said, I just wanted to message you. You did perfect. I was like, if I if I say this, I know he's gonna be like, wait, what? <laughs> No, no. I listen. You threw that curveball at me, and it did. It did throw me <laughs> off my game. I had to readjust on the fly. I had to think about how I was going to approach it. If you didn't tell me you were kidding, I didn't know what I was going to do. Honestly, <laughs> I, I I might have ended the show. I think I think I might have ended the show. We, you know, we had, we would have had Josh edit this out, and and you know, uh, and then you would have just left it like that. Yeah, we'd have left. It. You know, we would we would have put your Twitter plugs in the description. You know, yeah. So, so it just would have been cut done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it would have been done. It's, I mean, it would have been fine. We would have made it natural. We would have included some nice music there. You know, whatever mm-hmm. Josh can do, he's he's good with the computers. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I mean, um, I, this was great. Uh, I, yeah. I can't wait to have you on the podcast again. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, wh- what are you working on right now? Where can we follow you on social media? Uh, as of right now, you can follow me um, on on social media, on Instagram and Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Right now, I'm just getting some stuff together for Rockets over at SI, um, you know, trying to get stuff ready for training camp. And of course, as you guys, you know, heard me get a little confused talking about Nick Casario for a quick second, also cover the Texans. And of course, you know, just finished wrapping up some preseason stuff over there. So put it like this. I'm hoping, but between Texans and Rockets, I write and say the word win more often than I did over the last two seasons. Listen, I, I have a wager going on with Adam Spolane at Sports Radio 610. I think they're going to get to 30 wins, the Rockets. I think that, I think they're going to be better this year. What do you uh, got? What do you got? He thinks they're going to they're not going to get 30 wins. 
I'm I think, with I, you. I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Listen, it's gonna be really fun. It's gonna be really fun. It's kind of a way for me to get back into rooting for the Rockets again, which I was, which oh, yeah. I, I, I think is gonna be different. It's gonna be, it's gonna be fun because I got to get out of my element. I have, I have some money on the line here. Um, <laughs> by the way, you, you you mentioned Instagram, right? So I just want to make this perfectly clear for those who keep finding me on Instagram and sending me follow requests. Stop it! Like, stop, I there's nothing there for you. There's nothing there. For, like, I'm not. I don't post there. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't post on Instagram. I don't post on my story or whatever. I don't post like pictures. Not nothing. There's nothing that I, I. I have an Instagram account for my friends and my family. That's it. I, I, I'm there for that. that I don't. Otherwise, I would not be on the app. They, they, they stop sending me the follow request. It's, it's very. Listen, I, I get it. You think I'm gonna tweet out? I'm gonna post some NBA content or Rockets. Con- I'm not. I'm not gonna do it. I promise you. I'm, that's not the platform for me. Um. But yeah, that was just a quick aside. I just, I'm glad you reminded me. Because I, I did want to mention that at some point. See, and, and that is why, maybe that is why you had me on the show today. <laughs> <laughs> I had you on because I because I think you're really good, and I think I, I really wanted to have you on. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. And once again, man, congrats on 250. Like I said, I've been listening to your podcast for a minute. It was an honor being on here. And uh, once again, 250, congrats, man. I can't wait to see what you got in store. Thank you so much. <laughs>